Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Unfortunately, there was an error with the recording on Sunday. This means that the first few minutes of Caroline's message did not get recorded. Caroline is continuing our series on the subject of well-being which we started last month. In the first week, Graham introduced the whole subject of well-being, and then a couple of weeks ago, Adam looked at the subject of physical well-being. Today, Caroline looks at the subject of emotional well-being, and she starts her message by showing us that there are a lot of themes we'll look at in this series which are interconnected. We'll join the talk as she is discussing how various aspects of well-being impact our emotional well-being. She starts by talking about how, if you aren't feeling 100%, then it affects your emotions. We'll join her now. Well-being, if you are not feeling 100%, um, it affects your emotions. If you are not in a good spiritual place, it affects your emotions. If you are having relationship problems, it affects your emotions financial problems, you worry about debt, there's anxiety, and if you're in a job that you find difficult or challenging, again, it can affect your emotional well-being. So, emotions are a beautiful thing. Um, It makes us human. It's what gives us the ability to love, to feel sympathy and empathy with others. Without emotions, we're just left empty and without meaning, without purpose. One thing that strikes me is that coming from a multicultural family, um, that the the British side of the family can be very British. And you probably know what I mean by that. Um, We're told to pull ourselves together, uh, have a stiff upper lip. And I really feel for boys and men who are told they can't show emotions. Has anyone heard the expression, real men don't cry? Well, it's a load of rubbish. That's all I can say about it. Because Jesus had plenty of emotions. He loved, he felt anger, and he cried. Do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Jesus wept, absolutely. He cried over the loss of his friend Lazarus. And he was uh, also deeply moved by the grieving of his sister and all of the people who had come to the funeral. Jesus wasn't afraid to show his emotions. Emotions are not bad, but they can be separated into positive and negative emotions. So positive emotions we love, we think of happiness, we think of joy, we think of interest, curiosity, excitement, gratitude, love and contentment. Everybody wants those, don't they? But there are negative emotions too, and these can be difficult and even painful. So think of sadness and anger, loneliness, jealousy, self-criticism, fear, or rejection. We experience both in our lives. But what tips the balance of our emotional well-being is when the negative emotions outweigh our positive ones. We can't stop feeling negative emotions. There's nothing we can do about that, but some of, and some of them can even help us. Sadness allows us to grieve. Rejection can build resilience and determination. Fear can protect us from danger. But when the negative emotions are dominant in our lives, 
they become overwhelming. We're not able to cope with negative emotions long term. They need to be balanced with positive emotions too. So what are some of the things that can affect our emotional well-being? Well, as I've just mentioned, fear is an emotion that can affect our well-being dramatically. The word fear has two meanings. I did some research on this, and I can tell you the inner um, English language geek was so excited. Um, I got an opportunity to research. Um, and the original Hebrew word for fear is yira. The Hebrew word translated into awe in the Bible. Yira has to do with beholding something that is beyond one's capabilities and understandings. However, it's often been tra directly translated into fear, which comes from the old English word far, meaning calamity, sudden danger, peril, and sudden attack. So, have we lost something in translation? When we think of fear, we think of the later definition, calamity, sudden danger, peril, sudden attack. But the original Hebrew word yira also meant respect, reverence, and worship. The New King James Version of the Bible mentions fear 457 times. Some of those instances refer to fear as awe, meaning respect, reverence, and worship. A healthy fear of God is good for us. To be in awe of God, to have respect for who he is, to have reverence of the power he is capable of, keeps us on the right path. Proverbs 2, 1-5 shows us that wisdom and understanding is connected to a fear of God. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look at it, look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. A fear of God and his commandments is good for us. We learn to trust him, that he keeps us within his boundaries for good reason. Like any loving parent, he knows and sees and has knowledge of way more than we can see within our limited perspective. He sees the dangers that we cannot see. If you know and love God, then you can trust him. A healthy fear of him means being in awe of him. However, the other definition of fear in the Bible is also an emotion that God warns us to be weary of. 150 times is, uh, in the Bible, the phrase, fear not, appears. Fear outside of the healthy respect and reverence for God can be negative and damaging emotion. Of course, fear, even in, the context, in, even in that context, can be good. We have a natural instinct to uh, fear danger. So we don't go and step out in the middle of a road onto oncoming traffic because we know that we'll get hit by a car. We don't stand too near to the edge of a sheer drop because we know that we might fall. There is a human instinct for self-preservation and fear helps us with that. But then there is fear that is irrational and an irrational fear leads to anxiety. And anxiety leads us to catastrophize over a situation. So that the fear of calamity, sudden danger, peril, and attack is not proportional to the context of the situation. 
We experience it every day. I certainly know that I do. We worry that the conversation that we just had with someone, that we said the wrong thing and they've taken offence. Or that problem at work is going to lead us to losing our jobs. Or the argument that you had with someone is going to be the end of a relationship. That the tough month that you are having financially is going to lead to financial ruin and bankruptcy. Anxiety is our overreaction to fear. But God tells us to fear not and not to be anxious. Jesus in Matthew uh, tells us not to worry. He, take, he talks first about the worry of having our physical needs met. In Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And then further down in verse 34, he widens the context to trouble or difficulties. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you suffer from anxiety, then you know that one of the biggest issues is worrying about or fearing something that hasn't happened yet. Sometimes, when the time comes for that things to happen, we've been worrying about so much, it doesn't happen at all. Or it happens, but not to the degree of disaster and calamity that we're expecting. And we somehow get through it. But what about the times when the things we do fear happen, and our life takes a turn and we, that we were not expecting or ready for? Well, it can lead to disappointment. Disappointment is another negative emotion that can have an impact on our emotional well-being. Life, sadly, is full of disappointments. Our lives sometimes don't turn out how we expected. We don't meet the love of our lives and live happily ever after. Some do, only to have that dream end in divorce. Some don't get that dream job that they've always wanted or are not gifted with a certain talent that they feel will make their lives better. And then to add to your disappointment, you see others excel or acquire that same thing that you've hoped for. And it's hard not to feel disappointed. Job was a person who knew disappointment. He lost everything in a short space of time. His wealth and property had been stolen or destroyed. His children had been killed in a freak accident. And finally, his health was taken through sickness. His immediate response was to hate his life, and he verbalized his disappointment. In Job 10.1, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out of the bitterness of my soul. And he must have felt really disappointed because until that point, he had lived his life well. Prior um, to that, um, he had been righteous and upstanding. Even God himself confirms that when the angels come to present themselves before God and Satan appears amongst the angels. And the Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Satan's response is, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds spread throughout the land. We can see in this passage that blessing comes from walking in God's way. Because Job, Job feared God and shunned evil, he was blessed. But we see in this story that walking with God does not always mean that bad things don't happen. I've often asked the question, why, if Job was so good and blameless, would God allow Satan to harm him? By extension, why does God allow good people to suffer? 
It's easy to understand why bad people suffer. We can say to ourselves, well, they brought it on themselves. Um, we can say it's a consequence of their actions. Karma, as the world likes to say. But what about good people? And for those who follow Christ, why do bad things happen for those who trust God for their safety and their protection? Well, I'm sorry to say we don't find the answers in the book of Job. God answers Job's complaint against him with an account of how he created the universe and everything he had made and done in the natural world. He basically tells Job that until you can understand that, put yourself in my shoes, until you can understand the mysteries and the wisdom of the universe and the God who created it, then you do not have the right to demand an answer or hold me to account for the things that happen it, happen within it. Wow. <laughs> um, talk about being put in your place. It's probably not the answer that I would have wanted either, but it's the one that Job got. Some things are too much for the human mind to understand, and we never will. There is a much bigger picture, and we can't even begin to understand or make sense of it. So what do we do with that? Well, Job had to let it go. We don't know why God allows disappointments to come in our lives, and trying to work it out is an exhaustive waste of time. Job's friends tried, and all they did was make Job feel worse about the situation. They came to the conclusion that it must have been pride or sin in Job's life. One of his friends so far in Job 11 accuses him firstly of pride because Job has said, you say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. So he, he's just basically saying, well, you're bragging about it. You're telling everyone how, how blameless and wonderful you are. And then he accuses Job of sin and this being the reason for his misfortune. Further down, he says, Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, and if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face and you will stand firm without fear. I think as Christians, we find it inconceivable that God, that God we love would, and serve would allow us and others to suffer. So the only conclusion that we come to is that it must be because of sin. And yes, sometimes it is, not saying that it isn't, but sometimes it isn't. God himself said of Job after he allowed Satan to take everything from him, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still manages, sorry, maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him without any reason. Sometimes there's no good reason um, why things don't go our way. So don't be like one of Job's friends. When you see someone suffering and assume that it must be because of sin in their lives, that just isn't helpful. So how can we come to terms with that so that we can keep our emotional well-being intact? Through hope. Sometimes we just have to let go of our need to know why and begin to ask, how God? How can I get through this to the other side? How can I face all of this and still have hope that something good will come of it. Well, let's go back to Job. After spending most of the story wishing he had never been born, questioning God for allowing him to suffer, and after hearing God plainly tell him, when you fully understand the workings and the mystery of this universe that I created, then you can put me on trial. Job humbled himself before God. I love the message translation of Job's response to God's revelation of who he is. I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You asked, 
Who is this muddying the water, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes? I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders over my head. Job's acceptance that he didn't understand God's plans and purpose was liberating for him. He came to a point of acceptance which resulted in peace of mind and a trust in God that even though he didn't understand why it was happening, he could still trust and that, that God was still good and was going to do good in his life. He knew that despite everything, God is good. Whatever the reason for his tragedies, even though they felt undeserved, God is good. Even though he felt as if God could have stopped this from happening, God is good. And God did not disappoint. So what was the result of this? Well, we all know how the story ends. Uh, in the last chapter of Job, it tells us that after Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. This is where hope is vital to restoring our emotional well-being and our lives. The definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. An archaic meaning of hope is trust. But how do we find hope in a hopeless situation? Well, that's a tough one. I find what helps me is to remember what God has already done. I think back to previous desperate situations when, when it seemed it would never end or that it would never get better. And I remember how I prayed in those situations and how other people prayed when I couldn't even talk to God about it myself. And I have a string of stories to tell of answered prayer and in what seemed like impossible situations. What also gives me hope is hearing other people's stories of hope in the Bible. We see the story of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the clo his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from the suffering. This woman had hope. She just knew she just needed to touch Jesus, and she would be healed. If we get close to God, we can receive what we need from him. In fact, he promises it. In Psalm 91, it says, because he loves me, I will deliver him. Because he knows my name, I will protect him. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God already knows that trouble will come our way. He also promises to answer our call to him. And in that time of trouble too. And there are many stories just like this woman in the Bible. But what about modern day stories? Well, look around you in this room. There are stories in this room of answered prayers for jobs, for children, for restored relationships, for financial breakthrough and for healing. So if you need hope, then talk to those that have been where you are.
listen to their stories, ask them to pray for you in your situation, be inspired by their breakthroughs to believe God for your own. So we've talked about the negative emotions that can affect our emotional well-being, such as fear and disappointment and the positive one of hope. Um, but what other things can we do to help our emotional well-being? Well, there are some pra practical things too. Gratitude is one. Studies have shown that an attitude of gratitude helps our mental and physical health and can increase our happiness by up to 25%. When we're grateful for what we have, it helps us to think less about what we don't have. And we can express that gratitude to God. The Psalms are full. I love the Psalms. They're full of expressions of gratitude to God, who he is and what he has done and what he is capable of doing. So I find it helpful to read about King David's honest struggle with difficulties he's facing, but love that he always manages to turn it into gratitude for God. And, and, and he can trust that everything will be okay in the end and that God will act on his behalf. Sometimes I find it helps. Um, something that helps us to be grateful is to slow down and be present because we can't have gratitude. We can't express our gratitude for things if we haven't got time to actually think about what we're grateful for. But slowing down helps that. As I mentioned before, anxiety makes us worry about things that haven't happened yet um, or cat catastrophizes things that have, making them seem worse than they are. It takes our focus off the good that is happening and to focus on the bad things that are happening or about to happen. And modern living doesn't help either. The world today operates at a much faster pace these days. Technology, which is, one of the, which is on, on the one hand is wonderful, can also add to our anxieties and mental health struggles. We want things faster. We live our lives in the fast lane. Our jobs demand that we do more in less time. Our phones mean that we are more accessible to people, but it also means we're more accessible to problems. Social media, although useful to keep people connected, can also bring a whole heap of intrusive thoughts, behaviours and issues. Sometimes we need to just be. Time with God in prayer and worship, time with our family and friends and loved ones, time to enjoy the world around us, time to rest and sleep. Time to do the things that help us relax, like reading a good book, painting, drawing, going for a walk, gardening, whatever you like to help you relax. And I can already hear you saying, where's the time for that? Who's got the time for that? And I used to be very much like that. But you know what? We always find time for the things that we love, I guarantee. If there's that series on Netflix that you want to binge watch, you'll find time for it. <laughs> we always do. The problem is that we think that things are not, uh, that we're not being productive when we take time for ourselves. We feel guilty because we're not serving any other purpose than to, uh, for ourselves, to, to help ourselves. Well, you know what? It's vital to your emotional well-being to love yourself and allow yourself the time to stop and be present. I find that it's helpful to actually schedule time. So Saturday tends to be my day that I keep free. I rarely do any schoolwork on a Saturday. I do my food shopping the night before after work, which is really painful, tell me. But it, um, it means that it doesn't cut into my Saturday. And 
I have it as a rest day. So I do all sorts of things. I can sometimes I go and meet friends, but catch up for lunch, something like that. But my favourite way, you already know this, those that know me, will be sitting on the sofa reading a book. <laughs> Staring out my, my beautiful picture window to the scene, but reading. And it helps me to be grateful for what I have. It helps me to rest, slow down mentally, and it helps me to be in a better mindset for the busy week um, that is to come. If you haven't got a whole day, then find an hour or two somewhere in your schedule. If you have to, put it in your diary like you would any other appointment or meeting and stick to it. If it's there, then you'll stick to it. And you've got to treat it with that same importance too. Don't think, oh, well, it's, it's only you know, spending a bit of time for myself or going for a walk. Do it and make sure you stick to it. And finally, rest. Anyone who is in a place of poor emotional well-being will know that sleep and rest are tough. Anxiety, fear and worry will cause sleepless nights. And then we will be exhausted and tired. And then this will increase our anxiety and our worries and our fears. It's a vicious cycle. And it's hard to break. But a trusting God, handing over our challenging situations and feelings of fear, disappointment and worry, can help restore our peace. David knew this. In Psalm 4, after crying out to God for relief in his distress, after asking God to hear his prayer and have mercy in his situation, he says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, God, make me dwell in safety. What a wonderful situation to be in, to know that despite the carnage that is going on around you, you can hand your problems to God, you can pray and cry out to him, he will answer you, and you can lay down in your bed and sleep like a baby, knowing that he's got it. So, just to wrap up, where are you in terms of your emotional well-being? Can you say you're in a good place? If you can, then that's great. Share that with others who are perhaps struggling with negative emotions. But if you're struggling and not in a good place, then I and others here this morning, um, members of the leadership team and Jubilee, would love to pray for you this morning. So I felt an appeal to three different groups of people, and a lot of it is interlinked anyway. If you are broken in spirit because of constant disappointments and difficult experiences that you're facing, if it seems a bit relentless right now, then I want to let you know that God heals the brokenhearted. Come and we can pray for you and stand with you. If you are weighed down by the burdens of life and it's causing you great mental and emotional anguish, then I want you to know that if you hand your burden to God, then he will give you rest and peace. Come and we can pray for you and stand with you. If anxiety is crippling you and you are finding it hard to function in this fast-paced and demanding world, then I want you to know that God wants you to fear not and to trust him. Come and we can pray for you and stand with you. So if um, the band could come up. And we're just going to... Um, just do another worship song. 
And I just encourage you this morning that if this has resonated with you, that you um, just hear God's call. He cares for the brokenhearted. He cares for those who are burdened and weighed down. And he cares for those with anxiety when it's got to the point where you're finding life hard to function. Just before they start, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, Lord God, that it will just be a seed, Father Lord, sown in people's hearts. And it will just resonate, Father Lord God. And I pray that you will just show your love and you will show, Lord God, the way to those that might be finding things difficult, Lord. Thank you that you are the healer. Thank you that you set us free, Lord. Thank you that you give us peace, that you care about emotional well-being, Father Lord God. And you give us rest, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.